Uh, listen, we um, are in this series called Unexpected Playlists, Christmas Playlists, and right now what you're thinking is, yeah, that, that was absolutely unexpected, right? Grandma got run over by a reindeer. Um, last week we talked about white Christmas, and this week it snowed. Did you notice that? So I'm just saying, like, I don't know if that's the way it's going to go. We talk about a song and then it happens. But if it is that way this week, like, we should have our heads on a swivel, right, watching out for crazy people and reindeer. The Unexpected Christmas Playlist. We are taking songs that we all know, and we are kind of putting a spin on them and helping us see how they point to the gospel. Now, this morning, uh, we are going to talk about loss, about what to do when tragedy strikes. And so um, we're not, first of all, we're not making light of tragedy. Um, I, I totally experience tragedy this time of year. I get it. The pain is real. We're just having a little bit of fun with that song, Grandma Got Run Over by a Reindeer. I found out as I was preparing for the message, the story behind the song. And maybe you know this. I don't know. I didn't know it before I read it. But Merle Haggard, you heard of him? He's a pretty famous country singer. Merle Haggard has a song. I can't remember the name of the song, but it's about a, it's about a grandma that, that passed away, and it's Christmas time, and the family misses her. And the guy that wrote the song that our band just played was listening to that song. And as he was listening to the song, he kept thinking, oh, this is going to be like your typical country song. Like they're gonna, It's going to suck us in for the first two verses, and we're going to love Grandma, and then we're going to find out in the third verse that Grandma's passed away. And he's like, you know, he thought to himself, Merle, if you were any kind of a songwriter, you would write a song. You would tell people in the first line that Grandma was dead. And so he wrote this song as a parody of Merle Haggard's song. Had no intention for it to become this big. He eventually recorded it on vinyl. You know what vinyl is? records, right? Those things that spin around and make that noise. He recorded on, on vinyl just like that. That's right. And he gave it out to his family for Christmas. And somehow one of those vinyl records ended up in a radio station with a DJ who played it. And as soon as he played it, my phone calls flooding in. Where can I get that song? The rest is history. Somewhere in the 1980s, it passed White Christmas as the most requested Christmas song, which just shows how jacked up we are as a society. This is crazy, right? And I heard all of y'all singing it. You were loving it too. So, uh, so this morning, uh, we're going to be looking at, um, at loss, right? We're not, again, we're not making light of loss. Uh, we we want to make sure that we know kind of how to deal with loss this, this time of year. Man, there are people that you know, maybe you're one of them, who are dealing with pain, real pain. So this morning, let me tell you a couple things I'm not going to do. One, I'm not going to answer the question that everybody always wants to ask. Why do bad things happen to good people, right? We're not talking about that. I'm going to save that for our very first series in the brand new building. Uh, we're going to do a series called Asking for a Friend, and that's one question that has already been asked a ton, and so I know we're going to address it then. This morning, I want to talk about instead just, just tragedy, right? So how do you deal with tragedy. How do we deal with, and, and it might not be like tragedy that happens right now, but there's something about the Christmas season, isn't it? That when you get together with family, you get together with friends, it just kind of brings back loss. It brings back pain. It's, so f- for some of us, the holidays are bittersweet. And, and for you possibly, it may be more bitter than sweet. Right, And so this morning, I want us just to take a, a, a few minutes and talk through what exactly is peace, because that's what we need. We need peace when we're dealing with pain. What is peace? 
And then how can we rest in peace even in difficult times? So let's just start with that first question. What is peace? And let me tell you, first of all, what peace is not. Peace is not an emotion. Peace is not a feeling. Peace is kind of like this state, right, of our soul. There's a, a beautiful picture of peace in Matthew. In Matthew, we find these four verses where Jesus is in, is in a boat with the disciples, Matthew 8, 23 through 27. And, and he's in a boat, he's with the disciples, and there's this huge storm that comes up. And the disciples who are professional fishermen, most of them are freaking out. So if it's that big of a storm that they're freaking out, you know it's a big deal, right? It's not just a little bit of a, uh. Woody and I were in Guatemala one time, and we were on a boat, and, and like these volcanoes were all around, and, and the crater that the volcanoes had formed now became a lake. And so we're going across this lake, and this storm comes up, and the boat's kind of going all, all over crazy and stuff, and Kids that are in our youth group are throwing, you know, going over the side, not physically, but throwing their face over the side, throwing up in the water, getting seasick. And all of a sudden, in all of that, the, the driver of the boat, the Guatemalan driver, starts laughing. Like, why is he laughing? He's mocking our pain, right, as we're throwing up and stuff and getting seasick. And I asked the missionary, like, why is he laughing? And he said, oh, he does that when he's nervous. Oh, that's good to know, right? Now I'm, <laughs> it's fantastic. It was a storm where, like, they're, they're freaking out. And as they're freaking out about the storm, somebody has this brilliant idea to get Jesus. And we find in these verses that Jesus is asleep. That is peace, right? That is a picture of peace. Let me give you this definition. Peace is internal rest that is greater than external reality. Internal rest that is greater than external reality. So, storm is going all around. That's external reality. Like the disciples weren't going, it's not happening, it's not happening, it's not happening. You know people like that. I'm not sick, I'm not. Yes, you are. External reality, but there's an internal rest that is greater. It's when people start saying things like, how can you be so at peace in a time like this, Right? Tiffany read those verses earlier. One of those verses said there's this peace that passes all understanding. That's what we're talking about. Peace is internal rest that's greater than external reality. What it means is that peace is possible even when our worlds are upside down. And that's really good news for any of us in here who deal with painful emotions during this time of year. So if we think that peace is an emotion that's tied to our experiences, here's what's going to happen. We'll find ourselves rolling our eyes every time we hear the expression peace on earth. We'll be like, yeah, that doesn't really work. Do you know um, coworkers who should be fired? That's a, that's a really weird thing to say in the Christmas message, right? Coworkers who should be fired because they don't even believe in what they're working for right? Like, they work with you, and you're talking about how great it is to work at that place, and they're just like, that, that's how the church is when we roll our eyes at the concept of having peace on earth. We're telling a world that desperately needs peace, oh, no, there's peace on earth. Well, kind of, because we've attached peace to the external circumstances instead of accepting it as an internal Reality, an internal rest that is greater than what's going on on the outside. That's a small step 
that begins to make us doubt the very heart of the Christmas message. Luke 2, 14. The angels appeared and said, glory to God in the highest, peace on earth, goodwill to men. And we start to doubt that very message, right? So I want to illustrate this, if I can, um, just for a few minutes. We can't take a long time with this. Um, we are all familiar with the Christmas story. And so I want to help us um, maybe, maybe see something that we've overlooked. Now, uh, this is, um, is going to be a little different, and it's either going to be fantastic or it's going to bomb. Okay, those are your options, fantastic or bomb. Okay, so snap your fingers at the person next to you. Get them woken up. Here we go. This is crowd participation. You're not used to having crowd participation in church, but you're having it today, okay? If you're an introvert, right now you're panicking, okay? So you have my permission just to sit in your seat and panic. There's plenty of extroverts in the room that can help me with this, okay? So introverts, just relax, okay? Now, um, I just want you to think about the, the Christmas message, the Christmas story, and here's what we typically see. We get we get Christmas cards, and there's the, there's the nativity scene. There's Mary, there's Joseph, there's, you know, like some shepherds, there's some animals, there's all the kind of, and they're all just like, aren't they? Just so still. But that's not really what it was like, okay? So, so I want you to help me kind of act out the way it was, really, okay? So here's the people that I'm, I need some help. I need... Um, I need just anybody that, that would be willing to play, uh, we need like a Mary. Anybody? Want, John Michael, you want to be Mary? What in the world? That was crazy. Um, you don't have to do anything. Just got to, will you do Mary? Okay, come on, Renee. Renee's going to be Mary. Here we go. Um, and we also need a Joseph. If we can get a Joseph. Renee was like, Nehemiah, let's go. Come on, buddy. Let's go. Do we have a Joseph? I can't make him come. I, oh, Cece's coming. Cece's coming. Good job, Cece. Everybody give Cece a hand. Nicely done. So, um, Mary, I think, I don't know what side you want to be on this side. That's, it doesn't matter. And then, Joseph, you'll, you'll be on the other side. Full disclosure, I do a chapel every Wednesday for um, Monarch and GHA. Oh, listen, on a Wednesday at 10 o'clock, if you're not doing anything, I know most of you are working, which is good to be gainfully employed. But on a Wednesday at 10 o'clock, if you're not doing anything, just meet me at Central Methodist Church. Hang out with the, the awesome special people from Monarch and GHA. We did this this past Wednesday. I did this with them. I'm hoping you can be half as fun as they were. Um, but Mary and Joseph, uh, Mary was a Carolina fan, and Joseph was a Duke fan. I was like, that's the miracle of the gospel right there, isn't it? That's crazy. So anyway, okay, so we have Mary, we have Joseph. Um, we also, there's, um, oh, baby Jesus. John Michael, going to be baby Jesus? All right, come on. Good job. Have a seat on the front row. We don't need you. Okay. <sighs> yet, yet. We're going to get to you in just a second. Now, um, I know we had shepherds, but we don't want to deal with shepherds because the shepherds are just kind of the still figurines like this. So what I need is I need some animals, okay? They were in a manger. They were kind of like in a barn. So just give me some ideas. Well, what, no, before you come, just give me some. Oh, we have a real live animal right here. Yeah, that's fantastic. And also a dog. That's awesome, isn't it? It's awesome. So, oh, I mean, yeah, so, so I had, Sorry. So um, anywhere you want to go, anywhere you want to go. Oh, we have, we have two. Wow, that's fantastic. Listen, only at the gathering can I ask for animals and get animals. I love that. Um, so we, and they're also very relaxed. So we have some dogs. Uh, what, what kind of animals do we have? What? Uh, sheep? Who said sheep? Who said sheep? Okay. Craig, will you come be a sheep? 
We need a couple sheep. You want to come? It's going to get crowded in the manger. I'm sure of it. Come quickly. Come quickly. We can't spend a lot of time on this. I've got to hurry up. We had a donkey. Okay, now, sheep make what noise? Good job. You can, you can stand up. You don't have to sit down. Um, we have a donkey. Do you want to be a I'm asking my wife if she wants to be a donkey. This is not good, people. This is, I need a Christmas miracle right now, don't I? So what noises do donkeys make? Okay, can I get it? <laughs> we just watched, we just watched It's a Wonderful Life last night. So she's like, you know, she's got this down. Um, do I have anybody else that would like to be a donkey? Does anybody want to volunteer somebody to be a donkey? You're like, yeah, you're a donkey. Get up there. Okay, you're going to be a donkey? Fantastic. Um, now, what other animals were there, do you think? Do you think chickens were there? Okay, you want to come be a chicken? Come on. I'll get you on this side with the dogs. Come on quickly, quickly, chickens. Anybody else want to be a chicken with Michelle? What other, yeah, you will, come on. What other animals were in the manger, or our version of the manger? Gerbils? <laughs> I know. I knew that gerbils didn't make sense, but that's what I heard. I was like, really? I mean, I know that we're doing a little bit like off-Broadway show here, but gerbils? So you said camels? Okay. Um, do we have some people that could be a camel? No, because you know what? Adam's going to be a camel. The, oh, are you? Oh, he's got a hump. Here he comes. All right. Now playing the part of the camel, the Grinch. Um, so... We, we actually, Wednesday, and we got to hurry up and wrap this up. I know I'm making you stand up here a long time. Wednesday, we had somebody that volunteered to be a camel. And then I said, what noise does a camel make? Do you know? And, that, and yeah, who said spit? Right, so this is why, again, you got to come on a Wednesday. I mean, y'all are doing fantastic, but that is such a fun chapel. So somebody said spit. And so I looked at the guy that had volunteered to play camel, and I was like, so what, what, do you, what noise are you going to make? And he was like, well, um... They make a noise right before they spit. I really thought he was going to be like, you know, but I don't know what he did, but what, what do you think? Okay, there you go. That's fantastic. So do we have enough? Can you think of any other animals? Is there any teenager? Pre cows. Okay, I need like four cows. Can I just get people four cows quickly? It doesn't mean you're a cow. It just means you're playing a cow. Okay, you want to come on? We have one cow and we have a forced cow. There we go. Here's another cow. I think she has a real beef with you right now. Do we have another cow? Is there, do we have th four? Is that good? Okay, so just really quickly, can we just practice? Are y'all coming to be cows? Oh, awesome. That's fantastic. We have like, this is like a choir of cows. This is great. So um, you're dogs, right? So dogs going to go woof, woof, and you're what? You're a donkey. What is that? Oh, you're a donkey with, y'all are like donkey and stereo, okay? And donkeys make what noise? Okay, good job. And what are y'all? Chickens, okay. And you are? And you are? Oh, my goodness. And then to top it all off, we have cows, and you are? Okay, now here's what I want you to get. And we're taking a lot of time to get through this, and I'm sorry. I won't keep you later because of it, but you really have got to get this, okay? You've got to get this. We're talking about peace being internal rest that's greater than external reality, okay? We think of silent night and peace on earth, and we, uh, we associate it with emotion and with everything super, super quiet. But here's what happened. We haven't even gotten to Jesus yet. You're doing a great job. Jesus is hanging out on the front row. 
which is why you should all sit on the front row because that's where Jesus is, right? Okay, so um, what I need you to do is, Mary, Joseph, you're doing great. Just standing there, hanging out. It's good. I just need you to start making noise. I mean loudly, louder, louder. It's good. Keep going. Go. Good. You got a little something right there. All right, now, time out. I'm going to come back to you. Here's what you need to see. Jesus has not even entered the story yet. We have bought a lie that we have to quiet our lives, clean our lives up. It's got to be perfect and pristine, silent night before he'll ever enter. Mm, Wrong. He's not even entered the story yet, and they're going to start making noises again, and that's when Jesus shows up in the story. Go ahead, make lots of noises. Run to your mother and father. That's good. That's good. That's good. The Messiah is found in the mess. This is what peace really is. What is what is peace? Peace is he shows up and everything else just kind of fades in the background. They're still making noises. There's still all kinds of mess, but he just kind of takes over, right? So peace is not the absence of pain. It's the presence of Jesus, and it takes over. It's very important. Okay, thank you so much. Give our sheep and all these people a great big hand. Good job, Jesus. All right. I think an Oscar award is in order for CC. Great job as Joseph. So, okay, now listen. So Jesus, Jesus enters into this crazy, chaotic, smelly, like I, I, hear, the, I hear the song Silent Night, and I, th- I just laugh. Because, I mean, how many parents, you know, when you have a newborn child, there are no silent nights, right, unless you have taken medication to not hear the baby, right, which don't, don't do that. There are no silent nights. It's crazy. It's messy. It's ugly. It's, you're, sleep, you're not sleeping. It's, it's nuts. It's, that's what Jesus stepped into. That's what the peace came into. So Jesus brings peace because we need peace. You got that? He brings peace because we need peace. We don't have to get cleaned up. We don't have to have our lives wrapped up with a bow on top for him to show up. He comes and brings the peace that we need. Listen to a couple verses. 2 Thessalonians 3, 16 says this, Now may the Lord of peace himself give you peace at all times and in every way the Lord be with you all. He is committed to our peace at all times in every way. He's committed to us having peace. Think about the, the, the message of hope. He brings that into the messiness of our lives. John 16, 33, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you'll have trouble, but take heart, I've overcome the world. So here's your two options according to John 16, 33. In the world we have trouble, in Jesus we have peace. And then he says, my peace is greater than the trouble in this world, right? So you got distractions in your lives, you got things going on. He understands that, but his peace is greater than our trouble. Here's the big idea. Here's how I said it this morning. We can rest in peace even when the rest of our lives are in pieces. I love that. I love that. 
If you're here this morning and the Christmas season is more bitter than sweet, you don't have to show up at church and put a smile on your face and act like you have peace. You can show up in pieces and you're in the perfect place to receive his peace because he stepped into a jacked up, crazy, noisy, loud, chaotic, smelly, ugh, situation. And he brought peace there. We can rest in peace even when the rest of our lives are in pieces. So here's how I want to kind of wrap this up this morning. Second part, how do we rest in peace? Um, I want to give you four steps if you're taking notes. Again, I love acrostics. They help me remember things. So these are four steps so to help us rest in peace. They spell the word rest. That's R-E-S-T. Here we go. I'm going to give you tons of Scripture verses. Just write them down because we've got a lot to cover in a little bit of time. Okay? Here we go. R, remember God's sovereignty. If you're going through a tough time, and again, we're talking about, you know, we sang the song, Grandma Got Run Over by Reindeer. You know, we're just kind of, it's a silly little parody song. But the truth of the matter is, tragedy happens in this life, Right? And as a church, we don't sit on the outside of tragedy and look at all the bad people that get hurt. We get hurt too. Like there's pain in this life. Jesus said, John 16, 33, in this world you will have trouble. So there is pain. We feel it. And this Thanksgiving, Christmas, New Year's, there will be so many times that we get together with friends and families and we have Chairs all around the table, and we're automatically going to be drawn to that one empty chair, aren't we? We're going to remember. We're going to hurt. And it's so easy to get troubled about that, to get jacked up. Your emotions are going to run all over the place. But peace is not an emotion, right? It's an internal rest. And the first step in resting is to remember God's sovereignty. A couple of verses for you, Job 42, 2. This is after Job has gone through his, his rough time of losing all of his family, all, of it, all the grief. He's lost all his money. He lost everything. He had bad friends show up to try to help him be better. That might have been the worst suffering of all, right? Bad friends giving bad advice. And at the end of all of that, here's what Job said to God. I know that you can do all things and no purpose of yours can be thwarted. Remember God's sovereignty. He is squarely on the throne. Psalm 103, verse 19. The Lord has established his throne in heaven, and his kingdom rules over all. Now, I know it can bring up all kinds of questions. Well, if he's sovereign, then why didn't he stop it again? Asking for a friend. Come back on our first series in that building. We're going to talk about that very question. But for this morning, can I just tell you this? Man, when, when you and I went through the painful things that we've gone through, he didn't fall off the throne. He's not up in heaven pacing back and forth wondering what to do. We just read it. He has established his throne in heaven. Proverbs 19.21, many are the plans in a person's heart, but it is the Lord's purpose that prevails. I love that. So R, remember God's sovereignty. Sovereignty is a huge word, hard to spell, but the truth of that word is life-changing. Here's what it means. No matter, no, this is not, um, a, you can't look this up in like a, a big theological book. You will not see this definition. This is the Paul definition of sovereignty, okay? You can't screw it up. He's bigger than your mistake. 
And in a really weird, twisted way, although we shouldn't make mistakes just to prove it, our mistakes are the way we see his sovereignty. We kind of look back on our life one day and we're going to go, man, I really tried to jack that up. And God is so powerful and so sovereign, his purposes couldn't be thwarted. That's good news. Here's E. We remember God's sovereignty. We embrace God's goodness. It's, it's good if somebody's sovereign and has all the power and they're a good person. But it's really bad if they have all the power and they're not, right? Like Hitler comes to mind right away. He had a lot of power. And, and when he was ruling, you could have said he was sovereign because he had all the power, but he was a bad man. So it's good to remember God's sovereignty, but the next step's got to be, you got to embrace God's goodness. Exodus 34, 6 and 7 says this, And he passed in front of Moses, proclaiming, The Lord, this is what God said about himself, The Lord, the Lord, the compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness, maintaining love to thousands, and forgiving wickedness, rebellion, and sin. And we could stop there, but then y'all be like, whoa, 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 read the rest of it. Get the whole scripture. It says this, but he does not leave the guilty unpunished. He punishes the children and their children for the sin of the parents to the third and fourth generation. And if you're like most people, you'll forget the good part of that verse, and you'll focus on the last part. And you'll say, see, I told you, he's just a jerk. No, he's not, because that verse points to the cross. And he poured all the punishment on Jesus. And we live on this side of the cross. He's not looking to punish you anymore or your kids or their kids. He punished his son for our sins because he's a good God. He's a good father who abounds in love and mercy and is compassionate and slow to anger. Mark 10, 18, Jesus said this, why do you call me good? There's no one good except God alone. Psalm 84, 11. For the Lord God is a sun and a shield. The Lord bestows favor and honor. No good thing does he withhold from those whose walk is blameless. Not only is he a good God, but he gives good to us. Remember God's sovereignty. Embrace God's goodness. S. Seek God's presence. I love Psalm 23, 4. It says this, even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil. Why? Because I'm a big, bad man. No, for you are with me. Seek his presence. Th- Psalm 34, 18. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted, saves those who are crushed in spirit. I love Proverbs 18, 24. Many of us have lived this verse out and found it to be true. It says, one who has unreliable friends soon comes to ruin. Have you ever put all of your hope in an unreliable person? Uh, and now, it, uh, if, you're a, if you're a boss, if you're one who employs people where you, where, you are, where you work, maybe you own your own company, or you are in management, then you know what it's like, man, if you train, equip, and turn the keys over to an unreliable employee, holy cow, does that cause all kinds of problems? This verse says that there are actually people who are unreliable. And when do we find out that they're unreliable? Usually when we need them the most. When we're going through pain and we need them. But then look what the last last part of that verse says. But there is a friend, and his name is Jesus, who sticks closer than 
a brother. It reminds me of a verse in Hebrews that says, God will never leave you. He'll never forsake you. It doesn't say it won't, it'll be easy. It just says he'll never leave, right? So we seek God's presence. And then finally, T, trust God's process. Philippians 1.6, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. Listen, if we remember his sovereignty, if we know that he is all-powerful, if we embrace his goodness, not only is he powerful, but he's good, If we seek his presence and we trust his process, do you see how that begins to give us peace on the inside? Like, wow, there's a lot of crazy stuff going on around me. Like, those donkeys are out of control. Somebody pipe the cows down. I can't even concentrate on Jesus. I got to get ready. He'll never show up here. But when we rest begin to have peace. He shows up in the middle of all that mess, and we can trust him. We find the Romans 8, 28, I love this verse. We know that in all things, not in some things, not in most things, but in all things, God works for the good of those who love him and who have been called according to his purpose. Can I just give you this little nugget? According to that verse, if it's not good, he's not done. In your life and my life, if in all things he's working for the good, then if it's not good, he's not done. There's still work to be done. We're not through the process yet. But there is a process, and we can trust it, even in the mess. Let's show that video. I've heard it. You've heard it. It's time for a new beginning time to start a fresh page or paint a new picture with our life. Sounds great in theory, but it can seem impossible. Life is messy. The lines have gotten blurred. Maybe we just don't know where to start. We look at the canvas of our lives and see mistake after mistake after mistake. It's overwhelming. When I look at my life with these messy lines and scribbles, it makes me think, is this as good as it gets? There's no eraser that can make this life make sense. But what if? What if there was someone that could make sense of our mess? They could take all our scribbles, all our mistakes, all our missed opportunities, make them into a masterpiece. And then I remember, there is Jesus. He gives us a new life. Every day is new. Every day is a blank canvas full of possibility and promise. He takes our canvases, our lives, that have been filled up with shortcomings, secrets, tragedies, and embarrassments, and he helps them make sense. When I look at the canvas of my life and I see nothing but disorder and chaos, I have to remember this. 
God is not a God of disorder. He's a God of peace. And you know what? He wants to take my hand and bring peace to the canvas of my life. So as we seek to make our mark, let us give God all our scribbles, all our mistakes, all our hurts, and trust that he will turn our messy lives into a masterpiece, his masterpiece. Just close your eyes and bow your head. I want you to listen again to the words of John 16, 33. I have told you these things, Jesus said, so that in me you may have peace. In this world you'll have trouble, but take heart. I have overcome the world. I understand pain. And when we're hurting, what we want more than anything else is for someone just to take the pain away. But what I want you to understand is that Jesus didn't come to stop pain. He came to overcome it. And there's a big difference. He didn't come to shut up all the animals in the manger to make it a perfect environment. He came to overshadow all of that. We don't want a God to step in and make us do things. We want a God who overcomes us with so much love and grace that he's all that we would want. And that is the good news of Christmas, that he sent his son for us to overcome the pain, to overshadow it with his presence. And this morning, I want to pray for you. I want to pray for those of you that are here this morning, and this is the time of year that you, if you could push a button and fast forward to February, you would. I want to pray that, that today the Prince of Peace would step into your pieces and overshadow them with his presence. If that's you, would you just raise your hand and say, I, I just want you to pray for me this morning. And then I'll pray. Thank you so much. Anybody else? All right, let's pray. Father, this morning I thank you for this truth that we can rest in peace even when the rest of our lives are in pieces. That the drama of our lives, while it might scare away all those unreliable people that we read about earlier, it does not scare away you. You are near to the brokenhearted. The scribbles and the mistakes of our lives, when others would just say, throw it away, you take those and through your sovereign power, you create a masterpiece that we could never have seen. And I thank you that that alone gives us peace. I pray for those that raise their hands this morning who are going through times that are hard, that we would rather just fast forward through or self-medicate through. God, this morning we invite you into that place. We invite you, the Messiah, to step into our mess and take it over. 
And for that, we say thank you because you can and you will do that. We pray these things in your name, Jesus. Amen.